May I say uh, how delightful it is to be back uh, at Hudson and Trinity and with my dear colleague, Father Joe Boisel, and uh, see many familiar faces, but a bunch of new faces too, because of course it's been a while. I would say probably, I don't know, three or four years since, yep, at least three or four years or more maybe, five years with, uh, with Bishop Ron coming to last, obviously, three or going on four. And, uh, and so, uh, well, actually, Bishop Peter wasn't mostly Bishop Peter. Yeah. So, but between those guys, Ron and Peter, they've been filling the void very well since your old friend went into seclusion. Uh, but he's delighted to be back and be here with my wife, Gretzi. This is Gretzi, right down here for the newcomers. Uh, I want to just say a prayer for Peter because uh, uh, the reason I'm here is because Bishop Peter is in the hospital and it's a serious uh, problem but uh, we heard we had word yesterday that uh, the serious problem is going to be resolved his physicians say and his surgeons feel very strongly he'll be able to be taken care of and will return to full health and um, and, and we don't know exactly how long that is, although I don't think it'll be, you know those old marine guys, they're very tough, and so I don't expect it to be a long recovery once they get this uh, uh, taken care of. Which means, by the way, boys, that you won't probably have them next year. Yeah, that's more, more, more. Um, so, but you never know. Anyway, Lord, we ask your blessing on Bishop Peter and Melinda. We ask tomorrow as uh, he uh, enters into actual uh, surgery and uh, treatment that you would lay your hands on the physicians and the surgeons, you would cover him in the blood of the Lamb, and you would guide all things necessary for his recovery and health. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, I took off, I don't know, does, I don't know that Peter keeps his uh, cope on, most of us take off our minds. I am a not a hot weather person. And so I figured if I don't take off my cope, I could fall right out of this pulpit in about 10 minutes. And so that's why I did it. It's not, not any big deal, just uh, the heat issue. Well, um, now I'm not, I'm going to use the, the first three lessons to speak a couple of things before we lay hands on this spectacular class of confirmands and receptees. And uh, it's a, a really exciting to see the, uh, uh, the crowd <laughs> coming forward. Um, Joe, you've got 10 or 15 people. Is it we know? There is. There is indeed. That's a, uh, I should say Father Joe. <laughs> I've known him a long time. That's the problem. Now, um, uh, as I said, I'm not going to uh, teach on the gospel, which is the, the Beatitudes, of course, and uh, and I may reference them, but uh, I figure after it comes up each year in a different nearly, uh, Joe has probably taught you everything you need to know about the Beatitudes. I couldn't add anything to it. Actually, I had several things I was going to, but then I put those aside, decided to do something else, because I think he's made it very clear. As you know, the Beatitudes, uh, a heart of Jesus' message about uh, the kingdom and the 
character and the transformation that goes on. So we, uh, is this okay by the way? No. All right, fine. Well, maybe they can, can you turn me up a little bit? No. All right, well, I'll just do this. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, some, I usually speak a little too loudly, so I'm, I'm delighted to know that I come across as a gentle, quiet voice in your, in your, uh, in your midst. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the change that goes on when we are uh, filled with the Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and time w uh, works its way under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and God's power after we are uh, regenerate, born again, filled with the Spirit, uh, and we begin to look more and more like uh, the Beatitudes. And of course, that's more and more like Jesus. And we all recognize that in many ways, that picture in the Beatitudes is a picture of perfection and heaven and all the things we're headed towards. But we're not supposed to wait till we get there to start acting like that. And uh, the, the, rev the change is to begin now. In fact, that's one of the ways we're uh, known as Christians. One of the uh, witnesses in which we don't have to speak words, as St. Francis said. Uh, I mean, he said, do the things, and then if you have to, speak, okay. Uh, but if you don't, have, I'm not talking about St. Francis the Pope. I, although that's fine, he probably would say the same thing. I'm talking about the original St. Francis. He said, uh, we, our lives should speak for us. And the Beatitudes are certainly one of the ways in which our lives speak without ever having to say a word. All right, let's come back for a moment. Um, I have just a little story here. I, I, it's a teeny little story. But I, if, if you don't start with a story, people think you're an old stick in the mud. And... Uh, it's always easier to get people's attention after you've had a small story uh, told. So I'll tell you, well, I don't know whether you're a big fan of commercials. I'm not a big fan of commercials on the tube. Uh, but a while back, uh, there was a very good Geico insurance commercial, pretty well made uh, and rather humorous. Uh, it goes back a few years, six, eight years. And uh, they made a commercial on in, in the real black and white grainy film showing Mary Todd Lincoln in a dress before a mirror and Abraham Lincoln, her husband, in the background. Now Mary Todd turns her to her husband, Honest Abe, and asks the following question. Does this dress make, does this dress make me look fat? Well, old Abe looks carefully, rubs his chin, Ah, tough call. Look out, Mr. President. Well, those are the kinds of things that sometimes get us all in trouble and can make for uh, difficult decisions exactly like we're talking about here. I didn't tell you what, they didn't t say what he said. They stopped right <laughs> at the crucial point. Where was I? Uh, we are faced with all kinds of decisions every day, and the number of decisions seems to grow. And that's partly uh, because of the emails, texts, Instagrams, tweets, robocalls, and just the pace of life. And uh, today's, today's three lessons ahead of the gospel are all talking about, in one way or another, how we make choices, how we answer the God's call, and how we respond to the things of this life. We're, we're faced with this in, in almost every aspect of our life, and it's a very um, 
important part of the Beatitudes, how we take our life, how in our life we handle the, the decisions, the questions, making decisions, questions, that are a part of life, and, and life at a, if anything, a faster pace and more questions. And so um, if we can be true to our new nature, the Beatitudes, and to Jesus, who is always speaking to us and, and present, we begin to have a, an ability to, first of all, filter out some of the questions. Does every question that comes to you on your email have to be answered? Thank you. Thank you. The answer is no. Not every answer. Well, I put it a different way because then you'll think, well, sure you have to answer your emails. Well, not every question that comes via the electronic or other mode to you has to be answered. A lot of them you could filter out. So wait, wait a minute. I'm, I'm about other things. I'm about God's business. I don't have time for this 12,000 tweet today. There's another guy that ought to give up his tweets too. Um, Okay, okay. That's not a political thing, I'm, but I'm just saying there are some things that can get you into a lot of trouble that you don't need to be in trouble about, answering stuff and questions and so on. So in this, um, in this lesson from Jeremiah uh, that my delightful young lady friend read uh, this morning, those were great readers, weren't they? They all did a good job, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to move back. From, that was from Jeremiah at first. But I want to move back to Jeremiah uh, chapter 1, verse 5, to, as a background to, to this piece. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now he's talking specifically to Jeremiah in this piece here, but not at the beginning. Um, then I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all the, whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So young people who read this morning, and young people who are going to be confirmed or received, don't put off the things of the Lord, the, th the things that the Lord has shown you or that you've dreamed about or that come to you in Scripture. Those things are for you now. You don't, you don't need to wait to be a certain age to be a Christian, right? That's right. <laughs> I know I could give him something he could answer. It would be all right. Yeah. Uh, you do not have to be a certain age to be a powerful Christian. You can start being a powerful Christian right now. This age we read tonight, as we lay hands on people, in fact, that's encouraging. One of the things that we're going to be doing when we lay hands on the confirmands, the young ones especially, but all ages and those being received, is encouraging the power of the Holy Spirit to be expressed in your life in ways that would be cognizant, no, consonant with the uh, Beatitudes, but, but in ways that... Uh, are unique to your particular calling and who you are. And it starts, see, God's, well, this is, the point is, the, the calling on your life started when you were formed in the womb. God knew you in the womb. God formed you in the womb. God has callings on your life or directions or counsel, things that are always all the way through your life. And there are many, many instances of, of the power of, 
a spoken word or an action from different ages which transforms whole sets of people around you, communities, family, church, schools, churches, so on. So I'd encourage you about, especially the young people, don't put off being a Christian until you're older. In fact, you know, one of the things that happens is a lot of put, people put off being Christian or coming to church or, or doing right. And then what happens? It never takes place. People float off into some kind of, uh, well, I, I, I went to church when I was a child, or I went with my parents, or I, I believe God, but, but you're not part of the community. You're not part of the body of Christ. You don't take your role up. You don't use the gifts God's given you. We don't. I'm talking about a we thing. Because I, I was 30-something before I really came to the Lord and had a, a, a what we would call conversion experience. Um, I, I didn't go off to seminary till in the, the late 30s. I, I, I don't know that I'd say I wasted a lot of time, but I did. I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff that could have been different had I started earlier, knowing what I was, who I was, and been in a place uh, to... to do the things God called me to do. Be the person God called me to do. So I want to be. So I want. I just want to encourage you. Do not put off the Christian uh, commitment, the Christian experience, the, the Christian movement forward in your life. Waiting for some perfect time, or a later time, or a time when then something else will will happen. Friends, be a part of the body of Christ. Move forward in the things you're called to do. Let the Holy Spirit's gifts out. Be, be in, in conversation with your colleagues, whether it's a small group or your rector or whatever it is, so that the things that you're about, you can, uh, you can begin to carry them out. Now, uh, let me say also, in the, uh, well, let's go to Romans a moment. Uh, chapter 12. What a famous chapter. Yeah. See, we started right at the beginning of chapter 12, I think. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that's you all, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this come, part of the problem here is this is so familiar, and the language stuff, that sometimes it just goes over our heads. Uh, God is calling you and I wholly to be his. That's what that means. Present your body, your soul, your spirit, the whole thing, and do it completely so that you can be used by God, just as we talked about here. By present your bodies as living sacrifice. By the way, once you're a sacrifice, once you've been put on the altar, whose are you? God's. Yeah, you can't. You're not. You don't take sacrifices off the altar. Say, okay, here's a sacrifice for a moment. Oh, I'm taking it back now. If you put yourself on the altar of God and are His, then you're His forever. And the things that He wants to do with you, for you, and through you, uh, are, are are start to be fulfilled. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. And as you live into the Christian life, as you live into the Beatitudes, as you live under and through and in the presence of God, that's what happens. You are, start to be transformed. Your mind is 
changed under the power of the Holy Spirit. You live into the things of God, and you and and it shows who you are. It is, it, it's delightful. I mean, won't it be wonderful to be in heaven with a whole bunch of people who are converted, full of the Holy Spirit, everything healed about them, and all these things happening? Well, it would be much like being here at Trinity Park. It would be very, very similar. But it will be a terrific time to be living in them. And, and so as that happens, it's a foretaste of uh, what is to come. Prove what is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me and everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we are many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. Now that means we don't turn ourselves into robots or automatons or all look alike. The body's going to be just as uh, diverse and lively and full of different personalities and all kinds of wonderful giftings, uh, even while we're being changed. It's, it's like everything that we are and gifting gets amplified in a good way, it becomes more noble, more beautiful, more full of life. And uh, so whatever, whatever things you are, who you are, whatever things you do, who you are, all that gets, gets more alive. If you're in Jesus, you're simply more alive. You're not, I know that there's a, you know, in, a lot of people think, well, if I'm a Christian, it's going to be sort of dull, dead, one monochrome thing. Uh, everything gets put away because, you know, Christians are all sort of dorky. Right. <laughs> That's a theological word that I... Well, that's not true, friends. There's nothing more exciting than to be around real Christians that are really full of the Holy Spirit and that all of who they are is being enlivened by, enlivened by the Holy Spirit. We are many members. <clears throat> all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, that's true, and individually members of one another. We all work together. I mean, we own each other. We take care of each other. We're related. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then it goes on into some things about specific ministries, prophecy, all sorts of things. But I want to encourage you this morning as we get ready to pray for these people that, and I, and I, and I though we're concentrating on the confirmant persons and reception people, I want to say that the church, here is the message for the church that is not just for this morning, not just for these scriptures, but it is all that, that the church needs to be alive in Christ. The church needs to be alive in Christ. It needs to be full of the Holy Spirit. It needs to have a freshness about its life. Uh, there should be a beauty about us as a group. There should be a liveliness in, in our praise and worship. There should be gifts of, of music and art and drama and people writing things and, and especially going into the world in our jobs, so to speak, in our vocations and, and doing things that, that bring God's presence and God's wisdom to all sorts of endeavors. There are no endeavors, there are no um, areas of, of uh, work or employment or any other thing that are not under God's control. Uh, do you think you're in a job that God isn't really in anymore? Now, the answer is no. No, you're not in a job that God has left or doesn't have anything to do with or thinks is... Uh, you, you do your secular job and then... Uh, 
uh, and then you go to church or something, and that's where God is. Friends, this is what we're trying to say here, this whole thing about um, blessed is that you're blessed in in the places you are. You take the presence of God wherever you go. You take it in your home. You take it to your uh, to your community uh, endeavors. You take it to your recreational occasions. You take it into the workplace. The presence of God is with you, and, and he can speak a word of encouragement, wisdom, healing, whatever it is, in all of the different places that you uh, bring that beatitude, beatific, a heart and all of these things because he has formed you to be about these things from the very beginning. So let me just pray over you and then we'll pray over these people who are coming and, uh, and then at the end if anybody else wants to have uh, a prayer or a blessing we're delighted to be a part of that. Jesus I ask that you would come in power this morning and even under the power of the, of the, of the uh, readings and the prayers and preaching this morning, that you can speak a word to someone who says, I don't think I'm part of that. I don't think I'm, I'm there. I don't think God can use me, or whatever it might be. Or I've screwed up, and how do I get back? You know, all those things, by the way, are the work of the enemy. Nobody is beyond the love of God. Nobody is beyond the mercy of God. Nobody is beyond the forgiveness of God. No one has not been formed by the hand of God. There are callings and vocations, different times in our lives in which it's clearer than others sometimes. But I want to say to you, friends, make a decision this morning as we're part of this occasion, uh, sacramental occasion, and these scriptures to be alive in the spirit, full, recognizing the fullness of the spirit that goes with you in the presence of God, and be ready to speak and do the things God calls you to in a new and powerful way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.